You're listening to the Social Spectrum Podcast with Gina Galliotto. Here we prove that success on social media and in entrepreneurship is not one size fits all and discuss thriving online through the lens of different personality types, lifestyles, and neurodiversity. Success lives on a spectrum, so your impossible search for the one right way to grow your online business ends here. On the Social Spectrum Podcast, we'll unfold your right way instead. Let's dive in. Okay. Hello, everyone. Thank you for tuning back into the Social Spectrum Podcast. For today's episode, we're joined by Christina Scalera, who's here to share all she knows about digital products and how she was able to use digital products to be able to retire within just three years. She has more exciting projects coming up down the line that we're also going to talk about. So Christina, for listeners who may not know you well, can you share a bit more about yourself and your background with digital products? Yeah, for sure. Thank you so much for having me, Gina. Of course. Uh, Yeah. So I got started with digital products way back in 2015. And or actually a little bit before that, I I started selling $2 bathroom signs on Etsy. That was my first digital product. I did not know that. Yeah, it said employees must wash hands. And like, they didn't even call it, you know, PNG or vector files back then. It was like straight up clip art, like 1997 Microsoft Word style flowers around this text. And I started selling that on on Etsy and for like whatever, $2, $4, I don't know what it was. And I didn't have much success there, but it was really valuable in that it taught me that you can sell digital products online. And this is in the like caveman ages of online business. Right. <laughs> Before I mean, everyone this, was talking about it. Well, y- well, no one was talking about digital products yet. Here's how like cavemanish this was. I had a tab on my browser that had a drop down menu of all the courses I wanted to purchase. And I would literally add every course that I ever found to that tab. And I had like four. 2014 was a wild era. So anyway, $2 Etsy bathroom signs, it's not really going to cut it. You know, you're not going to make a living off of that. So I started looking at other things that I could sell. And I I went to law school and a lawyer. And I was that was kind of how I was paying for things at the time as I was doing client work and trademarks and things like that. And what happened was I found that when I would go to these like creative groups and meetings and just kind of like, like now I guess you'd call them like influencer or like UGC creator get togethers. But like then we didn't really have terms for it. I feel like such a grandma. <laughs> like back, back in my day, we didn't have time terms for this. But you would just get together with people like on from meetup.com or whatever. And whenever I'd go to these meetings, right, people were like yoga teachers and calligraphers and wedding planners and UGC creators before that was like a, a term. They would find out that I was a lawyer and then they'd have all these questions. So I was like, I'm asked the same questions over and over and over again. I wonder if this is something that I could create into some kind of resource and then just sell that resource so that anybody that wants it has access to it. And obviously, if they value it, they're going to pay for it. And then I get money from that. So that was my thought process. And I started creating all these legal templates and contract templates and just different things that I could sell. And I sold them under my name at first, christinasglera.com. And that worked out great for a little while. That's why I'm always like, just get started. Like you don't know what it'll turn into. You don't know what will happen. You don't have to have like the world's best name. People get hung up on all this stuff. And I just was like, at the time, I was so desperate to make money. I mean, I was getting kicked out of an apartment. I couldn't afford like basically anything. I was $73,000 in debt. So like, you know, I think it's a real luxury for people to sit there and be like, oh, I don't know what to name it. So I don't know if I'm going to release it. It's like, girl, like I was getting kicked out of my apartment. I had to make money. (laughs) 
And all the things that you saw, like when I became, I guess, like more internet famous or like, you know, people started to know my shop and my products, like that all came later. It all had to happen because I had these like basic minimum viable products or like minimum viable website, social platforms, et cetera, that I was able to build on all that later. But like a lot of people just think, oh, like, let me start at the end, like with the contract shop. So that's, you know, spoiler alert, that's eventually what it turned into is the contract shop.com. And I sold legal templates there for eight years. And then just in the last year, I sold that shop actually. So not only do your digital products become assets that you can sell, but like the actual shop and the blog and the social channels and all the stuff that you're building around your products is a whole nother business that you can sell. Absolutely. And it's such an inspiring story. And I got to hear a lot of that story when we initially met. And I I do want to tell that story. But it's really what helped kind of catapult me further into digital products because I was not taking them super seriously whenever we first met. And just to give everyone listeners context, Christina and I actually met through a mastermind retreat that we were both a part of. And I don't know, I think there were like 20 plus something women there. And out of everyone, we went on this catamaran boat ride trip together. And I was talking everyone's ear off about TikTok because I was the one of the only ones that was leveraging, I guess, TikTok at the time, or at least like, yeah, yeah, like having, I guess, fun on it at the time. Everyone else was like, oh, I don't know about this. And Christina was actually really open to hearing about it. And then I was really open too to hearing about her story with digital products. And it led both of us onto these new journeys, I feel like. And I was actually able to turn Christina into a TikToker. (laughs) (laughs) For sure. Yes. I tell people all the time, you're the person who got me on TikTok. I love TikTok. And I, yeah, you're right. We were, we were, (laughs) this sounds so bougie, but we were on a yacht and we were just in the cabin talking about TikTok. Everyone else is like jumping in the water and stuff. And I was just like mesmerized by what you were talking about, like what you were able to do, the things that you were able to accomplish because of your TikTok and how fast you were able to grow and just kind of gain momentum for yourself. So that was just so inspiring. And I just, I hadn't experienced that ever. I remember even like in the early days of Instagram, there were a few moments where you had that kind of viral growth and it was like really exciting, but like, I haven't experienced that in years. So like what you were talking about, I just was like, you know what, F it, I'm going to try it. And everything you said was true. And I was able to grow really, really quickly on TikTok. And yeah, it just, it's been this amazing resource. So I was super grateful for that conversation and for you. And I'm glad that like it was at least a little bit mutual with like digital products. (laughs) 100%. Because just like you were speaking to like at the beginning of your story, as a beginner, you don't really know what's possible or like think that you can really succeed as much as you want to with digital products. Like at the beginning, there's all these doubts. So I don't think you had sold the shop yet. No, you hadn't sold the shop yet when we talked, but you were doing very well, especially like you were just leaps and bounds ahead of me, especially. And I was just like, I need to get there one day. And I still feel that way about talking to you right now. And that's why I wanted to have you on because I feel like more people just need to understand that not everyone had it easy or came from somewhere and like had all these followers starting out or had money to put into it starting out and you can still succeed either way. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. I just, I think I thought digital products were such a scam for so long, like literally such a scam because I saw everybody else making money with them. And then they taught me, taught me, right? Like in air quotes through YouTube and 
courses that I would buy and all this stuff. And it just wasn't happening for me. And it really came down to figuring out, like, again, I I was telling you, my first success was like those $2 little bathroom signs. That kind of showed me that, okay, this isn't a scam. I just have to create better products. And that really helped me to lean into like, you have to listen to the marketplace. The biggest mistake that I see people make is like, they will look at what other people are creating and selling. And they will try to emulate that, if not completely copy it. And it doesn't work. You have to lean in and you have to listen to what people are asking for from you. You know, I've had a lot of product flops, even in the last year since I I sold the shop, I've been trying new products and it's just like a really fun thing for me. So I have been trying a lot of different things. And the one consistent success that I keep coming back to is like, when I do the hard work and I reach out to the audience and I interview them and I talk to them and I see what they're struggling with and I hear in their own words what it is that they want in their life, right? Not just like the topical, like more time, more money, but like I need to be able to just take a Friday off. Like those kinds of visceral, very deep down desires that they have, like that's when I'm able to actually start turning the wheels and coming up with products that sell instead of just like, falling into the easy trap of trying to copy what other people are doing or selling and, you know, maybe selling a handful of them here or there, but like not really having much success. A hundred percent. And that's something that I think comes up with a lot of one-on-one clients that I've talked with, where if they're not selling an offer, they just create a new offer, create a new offer, create a new offer instead of doing the hard work to actually literally get on calls with their audience. And I was guilty of this at the beginning before I was in the mastermind that we met in. Like I thought I could go the easy route and just post a few polls on stories asking questions in order to get feedback and stuff like that. When in reality, it's the people who put in the hard work in the forefront that then are going to reap the rewards afterwards, you know? Yeah. Yeah. And like you bring up a really good point, which is like the easy stuff... The irony is that we actually see the hard stuff as the easy stuff. It's like, oh, we could create this and this and this. And and like that's actually harder than just relaunching with the same materials that you already have created and iterating on them and making them a little better. Like it's actually harder to come up with something and launch it from scratch than it is to just keep launching the same program or the same digital products over and over and over again. But like in our heads, it's more fun. So it seems more easy and we trick ourselves into thinking that if we if we come up with something new, that's really what our audience wants. When in reality, our audience already told us what they want. They already bought from us and they already needed to see it like 10 more times before the rest of them committed. And so I'm so glad you brought that up because that was such a game changer for me when I started just focusing on what was selling instead of always trying. Because I think we all fall into this trap. Like we have success with something and we're like, well, if we were successful with that, like imagine what we can do with this. And then it's like, well, maybe if you just stuck with that, it would be, you know, kind of boring, but it would be, you know, successful again and again and again. That's the real mark of someone who's maturing in their business is when you're able to just do the same things over and over and over again, right? Like people are like, how did you scale so fast with the contract shop? And it was like, literally, I launched the same sale twice a year. The first time was an accident. It was like I was trying out a new email software. So I sent out some emails and I was like, oh, it's the 4th of July. Like, I'll just make a sale. Like, I need an excuse to email people and try this email software out. So that was how the first mid-year sale started. And then obviously Black Friday, I'm like, well, Macy's is doing it. (laughs) Nordstrom is doing it. Why don't I do it? And then just doing those sales 
twice a year, that really built the business from like 2015 to 2018. And then I was like, okay, well, if I add in like more interesting things, keep selling the same products, but just like find more interesting ways to display them or get people to be aware of them or to sell them like different promotions, right? So then we started doing like 50% off bundles, right? Because bundles are like over $1,000. So that was a really good deal for people. We tried things like buy one, get one, buy two, get one. And those are just the kind of interesting things that we we kept doing with digital product. And I say we because I had a team at the time, but the interesting things that we were doing with digital products and making more and more money every single time. So those two big pillar sales, the mid-year and the Black Friday sale, they really carried the business. Like that's I could have just done that and then paid for the business expenses and my salary and been fine. But I wanted to make even more money, right? So that's where like the mini sales in between and like the events, I call them fast growth events. The fast growth events before those big sales would happen, like a summit or some kind of webinar presentation, like whatever that big event was going to be. So anyway, I don't even remember what we originally started talking about here. (laughs) But basically, like selling the same thing over and over and over again is like the best thing you can possibly do for yourself, even though it feels like it's not easy. It feels like it's wrong. Mm-hmm. And that is, you circled back to it. That's exactly what we were talking about is okay, differentiating yes. <laughs> that because I've even found myself, like recently I've found myself in that kind of predicament where I had a lot of success with a certain offer. And just like you said, thought I would have the exact same success with one that was on a different topic. And I don't regret launching the other course. However, now I've learned that lesson that you're not going to duplicate the response whenever you're trying to deliver brand new information with someone because you have to think about, you know, listeners, you have to think about the fact that if you are relaunching the same product again and again, and this is something I just had to learn. So you're welcome for telling you this right now before you make these mistakes. (laughs) They've had so many touch points. There's so much less educating that you have to do about your offer in the first place, why they should care about it, making them feel things about it. You've already probably gotten them to the brink. Like so many of them are so are probably like about to purchase, but then you came out with this new offer. It's a huge lesson learned. And but I'm really glad that I recently learned that lesson. And now I feel like I just like I'm so excited to relaunch my TikTok challenge. And I've I've have all of these ideas of how to improve it because the feedback I got from the first round. So it's just it truly is better than creating a bajillion new offers. And also a lot of times it's not even about the offer. It's about the way you're selling it, which is it's a whole episode in itself, you know? (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. I mean, some people need a webinar. Some people are too busy for a webinar. They'd rather have a private podcast. I mean, that's the thing is like, you can just get really creative and inventive with how you're selling it. And that can be where you have that creative outlet of energy versus just constantly creating new products. Right. Yeah. That's why I love what you're saying about, I guess, creating different types of energy and momentum through your newsletter and your socials by having those different sales and points of momentum, essentially. It's so smart. Yeah. So are all of your products passive or have they always been passive? Do you have any active offers? Everything right now is active. Uh, I don't have... I say that, but like you can buy things from me Mm -hmm. 24-7. You know, other than just listening to your audience, I think the other biggest game changer is finding something that you can sell to an audience 24-7. And it doesn't have to be rocket science, right? Like right now, I have a $7 offer in my e-commerce Academy TikTok profile. It's 700 product ideas for $7. But it's something that people can just buy. 
that's the thing that people get hung up on. They think they have to have like months of, again, like they hear me say research. So then they go out and they do months of research. They, you know, hire a graphic designer. They design this. Like the first iteration of this was just a Google Doc. Like yeah. it's just a Google Doc that I sold that I sold for $19 and it didn't sell that great. And I actually had a higher refund request than I wanted for that. But that's all feedback that I took incorporated into this after I had, you know, probably, I don't know, $600 worth of sales from the $19 product. I took that. I had it designed. We added it originally had 70 ideas. I turned it into 700 and we had it designed on top of that. And so I think, and, and then we dropped the price from 19 to $7. Mm-hmm. So all of those changes, which I would not have found had I not just put it out there and seen it fail in different ways, then it just, you have to put out like the crappy version of your stuff so that you can get to the good version that's really passive because that's really passive now. Now I just make TikToks and people go to the e-commerce Academy page and they look it up and they buy it and whatever. I think, you know, if if you can just, Put something, whether it's a $2 offer, a $1 offer, a $7 offer, just something, even if it's uncomfortable in your bio, in your stand store, in your whatever, you can start to see that people are going there. You can start to see that people are purchasing it. And sometimes that can give you the confidence you need to come out with something a little bit bigger, like maybe an online course or a challenge, you know, just something that you're charging a little bit more money for. So I think that's a really good place to start with digital products is knowing that you can create it in a Google Doc. Really, the value of your product is the result that you're getting for someone, not the container. The container doesn't really matter. That's that's like a big myth is like, well, I have to, I really want to create a checklist. Let me figure out what to fill it with. No. Focus on the result first. And then if the result happens more quickly with a checklist versus an online course, then make a checklist. So if you can focus on that, if you can get something up and for sale, I think that's really helpful. For me right now, my offers are all active. The reason I was able to sell the contract shop is because all of those offers were incredibly passive. And I wouldn't have been able to sell it as easily or for as much if I hadn't been running the same sales over and over and over and over again, because that gave the new owner the materials that they needed. They just had to basically like press play. Obviously, it was a little bit more work than that. They had to get their own contractors in place, things like that. But they had all the emails. So if they wanted to run an automation for a Black Friday sale, that was all set up for them. So that, again, that happened over years and years and years. It started with the two sales, then we added like the monthly sales, and then we kind of cleaned things up. And then we looked at emails and, you know, you see which open rates are good and which aren't. And you get rid of the ones that aren't good. You keep the ones that are good. And it just, it was like years of building that and cleaning it up and making things better and prettier and more effective and adding, you know, like a backend portal for the customers so that they have access to like an FAQ bank anytime they need it. It was like doing all of those things that made it so passive over time. But it had to start out very active where I was constantly talking about the result that people could have using the product. And then they'd be interested in the product and I could, you know, then have a really natural conversation in the DMs or via a webinar or some other event about the kind of products that were available. Yeah. You have experience on such a vast scale because you were just talking about a $7 offer. And I know <laughs> that your um, your contracts, what they were like 900 plus or can you give? Yeah. The individual ones were anywhere from 300 to 500, mm-hmm. depending on like what the product was. And the bundles were around $1,400. So those included, you know, a set of contracts, essentially. Mm -hmm. So and they were both and so the $7 offer, and these templates, whether a bundle or individual, those were both things that the customer could just download 
and then they, you were done. Basically, it was totally passive for you. That is amazing. So have yeah. you... It got really passive too when I included kind of like a little academy to accompany the templates. So a lot of people, especially when it came to legal stuff, right, they have a little bit of fear or like it, it doesn't, but it doesn't really matter. Like I, I don't want to caveat that as only legal stuff because people are scared to be on TikTok. They're scared to, you know, if you're a graphic designer, they're scared to use Photoshop. They're scared to save things the wrong way. So what you can do with your products is if you just include a little bit of extra handholding, and that's that's actually what they were called is like hold my hand guides. <laughs> if you just include a little bit of extra handholding, and this was delivered, you know, via Teachable, like an online course, but I didn't present it like an online course, like I never sold it like an online course. That was just kind of where I housed it because it was easy for people to go through the lessons. It helped to give them permission to use the templates. And then, of course, the more that people are actually using your products, right, not just like purchasing them, but actually using them, the more successful you're going to be because they're telling their friends about them. They're coming back and buying more from you. So you really do want to encourage them to use it. But you have to also understand that half of what you're selling with digital products is permission, permission for them to use Photoshop, permission for them to be on TikTok, permission for them to book a client with their contract. It's not even the product themselves that they're necessarily purchasing. Yes, that's helpful. But they're purchasing the permission from you as the expert to proceed because they now have this like little safety net in their pocket. That is a really good way to think of it. And such a, <laughs> su- such a good point, actually, because that's another lesson I had to learn the hard way. In my original 30-day challenge, in hindsight... I wish I made it 15 days because Mm. it's like you were saying, like, I feel like it offers more permission to actually get started on it and less like of an intimidation factor. And I realized like all the knowledge can still be in those 15 days, all the value, I mean. And so, yeah, like a lot of times we think the more we can give, the more valuable it's going to be. But oftentimes it's about simplifying and holding their hand a little bit, like you were saying, instead of just throwing like everything you know into the offer, it might be more about simplifying instead. So another lesson learned. Yeah. Yeah. They they have to see that it's possible for them. Yeah, exactly. It's like half of the time whenever I buy something, it's more for motivation than like anything else. Like yes, the knowledge <laughs> right. too, but I'm like, okay, this right. is accountability and then the knowledge along with it. So have you noticed any key differences then going from selling those much higher ticket passive offers to the lower ticket offers? Are there any big differences in the way you sell it? Yeah, I actually think it's harder to sell the lower ticket ones. That actually makes sense to me. To sell $500 worth of a $7 product is hella hard. <laughs> but to sell, you know, one $500 template, I just have to find one person a day. And not only that, but it's one of those things where it's it's hard to explain. But someone who I guess is going on to a site with such higher ticket offers, I feel like they are a little bit more committed to finding solutions, whereas you do have to do a lot more convincing, I feel like, for those lower ticket offers. That's a good point, yeah. Yeah, it's like they have so many options with the lower ticket, whereas those higher ticket are usually the more rare solution, I guess. So that's kind of how I view it. And I did actually... Yeah, for sure. I just recently learned a lesson, and I haven't had the chance to quite implement yet, But it was basically saying that if you do have low ticket offers, but you don't have high ticket offers, then it puts like no urgency, I guess, behind buying the lower ticket ones because... Oh, interesting. Like the lower ticket one feels like such a steal because they're looking at this high price like right next to it, you know, for something else. And they're like, oh, but I can get a piece of her for just this amount. So I was like, that's interesting. 
Oh, that's so interesting. Yeah, that makes sense, though, because I've had a lot of people I have a a high ticket mastermind, right? And it's $24,000 a year. And a lot of people will tell me that they're like purchasing this introductory, you know, seven, $14, $20 product, whatever, because they're aspiring to one day be a part of that. So if you don't have any, and I don't think you need like a $24,000 mastermind or something, but like, if they don't have anything to level up to, like, they're just going to find that somewhere else. So again, I wouldn't like break my back trying to create these higher ticket offers if they didn't align with my product suite. But if you find that people want that kind of support, and they are looking to up level in that way, I think it can be a really aspirational thing for them to continue basically being really loyal to you and buying all your products. Yeah, the beauty of the product suite. That's (laughs) that's something else like I'm trying to really build out is like, one that really ladders on itself, like you were saying, because yeah, if people are going to put energy into like taking their first step with you on your lower ticket offer, you want to really give them a next step. That's another reason you don't want to put 100% of everything into your very first offer because one, it will be overwhelming to your client because they're trying to take a baby step. And then you can then lead them in a less overwhelming way into multiple different offers. It's a really good lesson for any beginner digital product creators out there. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, I think it's so cliche, but like the real lesson is just get started with something because you don't like the, the next level of that product suite will reveal itself once that, you know, once you start selling something like you wouldn't have learned any of these lessons that you're talking about if you hadn't just started selling something. Oh, yeah. How would you know that you needed a 14 day instead of a 30 day challenge? if you didn't do it. Mm -hmm. Like you're not ever going to think your way into knowing that information. (laughs) Exactly. And it's just, it's really cool to reflect on because my first digital product was a $23 ebook and it took me like three months to sell my first ebook, I think. And so, I mean, granted, I wasn't pushing it that hard, but it's like, if I would have given up after that time, you're right. I wouldn't have been able to learn any of these experiences. And Yeah, it just it really says a lot. And I know sometimes like it feels intimidating to get started, but we're both like here with zero regrets. (laughs) So it's really good to have this conversation for everybody who's like timid about it. (laughs) Yeah, for sure. Since we're on this topic, I want to share this quote that I just heard the other day. I wish I remembered the source. I'm so sorry I don't. But it was something like if you're not at least semi embarrassed by your first digital product, then you started too late. And I thought that was so good because <laughs> I was like, damn, that's so true. Like, even if it's not yeah. a, the value, like my ebook, for example, like I like the value that was in it, but like the design and stuff, I was just like, yeah. oh, no. <laughs> yeah, for and, sure. It, I love that. Yeah, it's very true. And the beautiful thing is you just can always make it better and better. Mm-hmm. And like, you know how fashion comes back around? <laughs> yes, I found the trends. The, yeah, like the, the products that I created seven years ago, like as I started my shop or eight years ago, I guess I find that like, I kind of want to come back to them. So like where they were super cringe at first, I'm almost like, no, actually like they kind of had some merit. I kind of want to go back to like, because they were so beginner and like so stupid, simple. And I just was like, oh, like this is too simple. Let me make things really, really hard for a few years. And then now I can go back to like this simple thing. I should have trusted my gut a little bit. But the thing is, like, your audience never knows what else you had in mind. Like, they only see that product. It's kind of like when stage performers mess up. You don't know that they mess up because you didn't know what the other alternative was. So really, it's just cringe to you and nobody else knows (laughs) it's it's even, like, 
yeah. you know, something you're embarrassed by. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. It's so true. And, you know, behind the scenes, like, you just – you never know whenever someone's, like, not selling and, like, it looks like they're selling on social media and you're doing all this comparison and in reality, it only matters what you are doing. That being said, as far as inspiration and inspiring anyone who's listening, what are a few ways that your life looks different from before you started selling digital products versus now? Yeah. I mean, I have the cliche like moments where I'm skiing. So I bought a a ski house in Colorado. So I ski a lot like every winter. And yeah, I have those moments where I'm like, you know, on the way up to the mountain and I'm getting sale notifications and stuff like that. And that's really fun and exciting. But really what it's done is been such a, a gift because I ended up in a relationship with a guy. Uh, we're, we're married now, obviously, but my husband is in the Navy, which I never thought that I would be a, like a military spouse, but I guess I am now. So <laughs> I guess that's where I am. <laughs> I, I guess I am because like, I don't know anything about the military still. And I don't, I don't know. I don't have any friends in the military spouse community. I don't know. Anyway, so I ended up with someone who's obviously going to be moving a lot and I have this remote job now. So that's really obviously very helpful. I don't like to stay still in that like I get a little itchy, right? So I live in Washington state, but then I want to go to Colorado as often as I care to. And that's really nice having those options and just being able to work from both of those places. And I would say the other big thing that has changed is um, about four years into my digital product shop, I got diagnosed with ADHD I thought it was depression, but it it actually turns out that that overwhelm was because I had a dopamine issue, yeah, <laughs> commonly known as ADHD. So it's been really, really helpful and transformative just to have a business that when I get into that like hyper focus mode or I just feel really driven to work on something, I have that ability and I don't have to work. Like today, I woke up at 10. We have this interview at 1030 my time and I literally woke up at 10 because I was really tired. Luxury right there. <laughs> so like... That's like how things have changed. Now, I'll probably be working until like later because I don't know. I just have been kind of like more on a night owl schedule, but it has given me the ability to work when I want to. You get to work when you want to, not because you have to. So like when I was working with clients, I had to be on a call at, you know, whatever, 9 a.m. on a Monday. And now I don't have to do that. I can, you know, the work still has to happen. I think that's the, the myth of passive income is that it's just always passive all the time that's a good way to to go really broke or like have some initial big success and then just like, you know, fade away into obscurity. But if you do the work when you want to do it, right? Like, let's just say that you're more productive in the afternoons and not at five o'clock in the morning, you don't need that miracle morning or whatever, then do that. Like, that's when you're most productive. That's when you can get the work done. But like when I worked in corporate and I had to be there, you know, at 7am and stay until 6pm, it like it did not work. So I think that's the biggest difference is like having that time freedom back. Someone in my family had a surgery and I just was like, all right, well, peace. Walked out of my business, didn't look at my emails. Actually, I haven't even looked at my emails for like a week now. So <laughs> sorry. That's that's why I didn't see your email. <laughs> like I haven't even looked at them. But like everything's fine. Everything's still running without me. Everything's still like I'm still making money. And I'll go through my emails today or tomorrow or I won't. And at some point I'll get through them all. And because my team is managing the customer inbox. So like that's all passive without me. Anything that is urgent, they're sending me messages in Slack. And then everything else is like, you know, it's a bill. It's due in seven days. I'll get to it at some point this week or it's a newsletter or it's something like that. So I'm not like 
stressed about my inbox anymore. And that's been really life-giving too. So just having not just like the time and travel freedom, I think that's like what everybody kind of splashes across their for you page, but also the ability to just like check out and like be tired or sleep in or you know, you do a really great job creating content for like low energy content creators, like just knowing that you have those digital products available and selling for you. You know, like this morning I posted on TikTok and like just knowing that that is going to be out there promoting people to go see my link in bio and buy my product today. And I just can continue to work or not. It's just such a a life-giving thing. And it did take a lot of initial work, right? Like you saw me build my TikTok account after we had that conversation. I worked really, really hard. Like I was posting like anywhere from six to 12 videos a day, not because I felt like I had to post that much, but because I was having so much fun actually. And I wanted to see what was connecting. It goes back to what we were talking about. Like, what does your audience want to hear from you? So I was really doing that like research and looking at what people were engaging with and connecting with. So anyway, I think everything comes back to like how my life changed with passive income and digital products in that I just learned how to work smarter, not harder, like that whole cliche, but also you know, what that actually looked like for me. And like the hardest part of all of it was accepting that that was what my life could be like. You know, the guilt that I had for not waking up and going to work at 9am on a Monday was like unreal for the first probably four or five years of work. Like I just felt like I had to be on. And it wasn't until I moved. So I was in Atlanta at the time. It wasn't until I moved to Colorado. And I started to notice that like around three o'clock, right, which is five o'clock on the East Coast, people would like knock off and they'd stop emailing me and they'd stop contacting me. And that was when I started to like get permission to like knock off work at three o'clock in the afternoon. Now there was still the pressure to like get on early, right? Cause they're up earlier. But yeah, I think that's also why I live. I love living like Western Colorado and Washington. Cause it's like, you're so far behind everyone that like people just stop bothering you <laughs> at like three o'clock in the afternoon. But yeah, so that's, that's really where digital products changed everything. I actually, this brings me to a question I don't know if I've asked you before. Were you practicing law right before you started with digital products or were you doing something else right before that? So here's the real story that I don't often tell because it's kind of salacious, but I graduated from law school and I got my dream job right out of school. I worked in-house at a corporation as their trademark counsel. And then I started dating my boss, who was like the vice president of the company. Okay. So like big no-no, right? (laughs) We dated for seven years, but that's beside the point. What ended up happening is obviously I left the company. I left my dream job. I was really okay with that at the time too, because I was like, okay, this is like not as dreamy as I thought it was going to be. Like this is actually not anything like what I thought. So anyway, I leave. And that was kind of when I ran into issues where I'm like, oh, how am I going to afford my life? Right? Like, it's not like I had this rich new boyfriend who was paying for anything. Like it wasn't like that at all. I was like completely on my own. I had this apartment that I'd signed with this corporate salary and I didn't get evicted, but like I did have to leave. And I I did eventually like move in with him for a little bit before I went out to Colorado. So anyway, long story short, I like was practicing law because that's what I was doing in corporate. And I was kind of supporting myself that way for the first like two or three years of the shop. I honestly, I don't think I was even breaking a six-figure salary doing that. It really wasn't... A lot of people think, oh, lawyer, you were making so much money. Like I really wasn't, mostly because I had never run a business before. I didn't know how. There wasn't like a business course out there that taught you how to like not be an idiot with like <laughs> business and money. So I was being an idiot with business and money and, and all this other stuff and spending way too much on 
a lot of things that I didn't need for that business to run and then, you know, not paying myself anything but like the bare minimum I needed for like groceries and things like that. So the first two years of running the shop, I was supporting myself with client work. So every time I do a trademark for someone, right, that was like, you know, about two, three thousand dollars that I was getting. So I had maybe 20 of those clients a year. And that was really supporting me through that initial process. But when I started the contract shop, I had nothing. Like I had no sales. I had nothing for three months. And then the first weekend that I had sales, I went from zero to $3,700 in one weekend. Wow. And that was purely because during those three months, I was, like I said, I was like, I have to make sales. Like this isn't, you know, like, oh, this would be so nice to have a digital. Like I was like, crap. I'm like, like, am I going to be homeless? Like, what? <laughs> what's happening here? So I was doing everything I could to get in front of other people's audience because I had nine people on my email list, you know, not counting the emails that were my own to test it. And I was just trying to get in front of like as many people as I could. And we didn't have tools like TikTok. You couldn't go as viral on Instagram. Like YouTube wasn't, it's still not, you know, a, a short-term gain thing. So I had to do something. And I knew that that was not going to be my own audience because I didn't have one. So I just tried to get in front of as many other audiences as possible. And I ended up getting in front of an audience of about three to 5,000 people. I don't know how many it was, but it was a lot. And I did a presentation. It was like kind of a crappy presentation, but it was very informative, very valuable. And at the end, I gave the world's worst pitch. Like, oh, um, you know, I also have a website. You can buy um, products, uh, t- templates, digital, contract templates. Like it was literally terrible. And I did that. And I ended up selling $3,700 of product off of that website. These, these were all p- products on pre-sale. I hadn't actually created them. So that was really fun until I had to like create and deliver these because I promised them in 14 days. Again, idiot business owner <laughs> back then. So I was like really, really busy for the next two weeks creating these products, literally day and night. So that was how things got kicked off. They got started. That really helped me to cement my reputation in that industry as like a go-to resource because nobody had really heard of contract templates for creative entrepreneurs at the time. And I was the first person selling it in a shop format too. So that was really helpful because like people didn't have to join like a membership that lasted a year or whatever. And they really liked that. So they could just go one off, buy a, a very specific template and that was it. So that really, again, then that's when I started listening to the audience. That's when I started building out the the sales and the emails and like all the stuff that you know that you need to have for a passive income business. That's a wild and really inspiring story. Like that says a lot about the power of the pivot. You know what I mean? Like you can pivot at any time and you did it. It's so cool. And also the fact that you took that, I don't know if you were nervous before you did your event speaking in front of everyone, but for me, that might've been something where I would be like, I I might be too nervous to take this opportunity. But the fact that you did it. I was like pooping my pants. (laughs) And it gave you that momentum. Yeah. And the worst part was all my slides were in a Google slide because Canva also didn't exist back then. Like, I feel like such a grandma. (laughs) But like, I don't know if Canva existed or not, but like no one knew about it at least or it didn't exist. But all my slides were in a Google slide doc and I open it and there wasn't enough like memory or something. And all the pictures and all the text blocks were like big red X's, (laughs) like literally five minutes before this presentation. And I'm like, oh my God. There's like literally, I can see there's 3,000 something people in this room and like 5,000 people registered for this. And so I don't know what happened. Like, I think I ended up like refreshing it or like logging out and logging back in and then it was there. And then I just like didn't touch anything because I'm like, oh, just please work. But yeah, it was so nerve wracking and like everything was going wrong. So, and I also, you know, I should also mention like while this is happening, literally two weeks before this happened, 
I found out that my best friend had overdosed and died. And an immediate family member was in a coma, like a really serious coma, like non-medically induced, which I would never wish on anyone to see what that's like for weeks. So anyway, it just was like the most stressful, nerve-wracking time of my life. So I have no money. The people closest to me are literally dying and it's nothing's working tech-wise. So yeah, it was (laughs) really, really hard. (laughs) Oh my gosh. I cannot imagine. And again, it it just goes to show like do it scared and push through the hard times. (laughs) It was yeah, it was kind of a blessing because I I was like, well, F it. I have literally nothing to lose. Like what am I gonna do? Like have have nowhere to live? Because that's already my reality. (laughs) (laughs) Either I'm gonna give this speech or we're homeless. It's one of those two. (laughs) Yeah. Like So it was kind of a blessing in disguise, like looking back. I don't know that I'd have those balls now, but, you know, I had to do it then. So, <laughs> yeah, that is that's crazy. I'm really glad I asked that question because I feel like that it just enlightened me to so much that I didn't know about you and your story that I think is just really important for everybody to hear. And I know this is circling back quite a while ago, but I also just love that you mentioned ADHD and ADD in this episode and the impacts that digital products can kind of have on someone who does deal with that because that's a huge part of this podcast, obviously. And yeah, I just, I love that it's one of those things where it's this story in general just shows that does like wherever you're starting and wherever you want to go, like the in between is 100% possible no matter the variables, even if you do have ADD, ADHD, depression, anxiety, it can be on your own terms. Like that's ultimately what it's about for me. That's why I absolutely love having these conversations because like similar to you, I thought my ADD and everything and anxiety and all of this was like just deep depression. And I was like, I'm never getting out of this. Like it's impossible. And then the job that I had just really fueled that. And so it's just good to sit here and like talk to someone else who's kind of gone through that journey. And also just to encourage anyone listening that this really can be a route for you out of that situation. Like it's not, it's not a scam. It's not a scam. Like, yeah. And I'll just add really quickly that we live in a very ableist society. My mom is severely disabled. And one of my really good friends is also very disabled. And my mom, you know, luckily she became severely disabled after her like kind of bulk of working years. So she was able to make a good living. But, you know, my friend has had her condition, you know, since she was a baby. And luckily, self-employment and this area of like creating an agency or a digital product or some other passive form of income is available for people that have conditions like multiple sclerosis. And, you know, my friend who has Marfan's and just there's a lot of different things that people have going on. I, I, I mean, anxiety, ADHD, OCD, like for sure. But we also live in a society that like tells people that they're bad because they can't work in a traditional nine to five job. And then like we have all this propaganda that it's like all scams and stuff like that. But like what people don't recognize is that there's a large percentage of people who need this. Like they literally cannot function or work if they don't have an online job or a remote job or an agency or passive income product business available to them. So I think where a lot of people like want this, it's also important to recognize there's like a large propaganda campaign of lots of people out there that are just like, they've bought into the system of ableism. Mm -hmm. And they just believe like the only way the only honest way to make a living is like the nine to five lifestyle. But like, that's literally not available for a lot of people. And so I think that's kind of what hangs people up is like, this false truth persists that like, 
the like noble way, the the good way. But like, who made that up? The capitalistic, like industrial, like complex of whatever, whatever, whatever. Like, I'm not going to get into all that. <laughs> A but, whole like, other episode. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's it's not it's not that's not what's important. Like, the important thing is just to note that like a lot of people will try to illegitimize digital products or online income or UGC creator brand deal. Like, they'll just try to illegitimize that, and it's it's because we all grew up in this system that is like incredibly ableist and like doesn't recognize that this is a way for people to make and earn an income. And so I think that holds a lot of people back because they buy into that that thought process and they let people, they let user one, two, three, four, five, seven, eight, nine, ten on TikTok tell them that they're a scam artist or like they're not, they should get a real job or whatever, you know, they're saying. And I just I, I want to recognize that like that comes from a deeper place. And so if if people are like intimidating you or like calling you a scammer or like saying like what you're doing is like not real. Just recognize like they grew up in that system too and they just haven't become aware that like they're in that system yet. <laughs> yep. Absolutely agree with that. And it's really interesting because I've like seen the impact that social media is making on that narrative, I feel like. And that's yeah. why like I'm never going to stop posting the type of content that I post and you're probably never going to stop posting about it either. Because like it's actually making a difference. It's actually kind of waking some people up to the fact that there are other ways. So I actually do just want to quickly mention, like for anyone who's like so inspired right now and wants to get into making this type of passive income, I know you have a masterclass that is like about three different strategies people can implement for passive income. So can you share a little bit about that masterclass for anyone who's like, I need this? Yeah. So obviously, I get asked this a lot. How do I get into this? How does this work for me? What do I create? And so I created this class on the three biggest things that you need to have in order to be successful with digital products. So that's at decommerceacademy.com forward slash easy, because I want to make everything easy and simple for people, (laughs) as easy and simple as I possibly can. But that basically goes into the three biggest things that, that you'll need to walk away with and implement in order to have success with digital products. So that's obviously years and years and years of experience of selling digital products and then selling the shops that house the digital products distilled down into less than an hour, actually. My husband edited it and he did a really great job. He edited it down to less than an hour just for everyone who's busy. So yeah, okay, that is amazing. And for everyone listening, I am going to link the masterclass. So it'll be nice and easy for you to find in the show description. So you can go snag that for free right now. And for everyone listening who wants to keep up with Christina's journey, I'm also going to link all of her socials and her website in the description for you as well. This has been such an enlightening, like and motivating conversation for me. I feel like I'm about to like hop off and work on all my digital products. <laughs> yes, do it. <laughs> so is there any last thoughts that you want to leave listeners with before we hop off? One of the things that's helped me with my whatever you want to call it, ADHD and my anxiety with my hindrance. <laughs> one of the things that's helped me is just trying to do like 1% better every day or like do one thing at least every day. So like those days where it's just really difficult to do anything, you don't have any motivation, you don't have any energy, listen to a podcast, right? Like that was your thing today. You listen to Gina's podcast. But if you can do one thing every single day, like those all add up. And even if it's just listening to something, it's helping you in your journey. It's motivating you. It's giving you information. It's piquing your curiosity. All of these things are really important for you as a digital product creator. So just trust yourself. Like if it feels hard today, just try to do one thing, you know, and it's it's kind of like, right, like if, if you stretch every day, even if you don't exercise fully, like you're still going to be in better shape than someone who never stretches. So mm-hmm. 
try that out. See if it works. I love that. That was an amazing final thought because, yeah, it's very true. Like we're both here because of a bunch of tiny steps, not one giant step. So that's amazing. Yeah. And if you guys were inspired by this episode or want to learn more, don't hesitate to reach out to either Christina or myself on Instagram or TikTok and DM us. Let us know you liked the episode. All right. And we will see you next time. If you liked this episode, it would make my day to hear about it. Please don't hesitate to share your thoughts on Instagram and tag me at Gina Galliotto or shoot me a DM letting me know so I can continue sharing episodes you love. And if you haven't already, don't forget to subscribe to the Social Spectrum podcast and leave a five-star review so we can stay in each other's worlds. Thank you so much for hanging out with me today. Until next time, friend.